Opinions Unqualified. Welcome to this week's show. Um, very, very happy to be here with uh, my man, Sam. How are you, Sammy? I'm good. How are you doing, Nixie? I just want to um, actually start the show with the recorder. Definitely an underrated instrument, in my opinion. Uh, I think it's iconic for all uh, anyone that's gone through the Australian primary school uh, system. It's definitely, I think, a staple in in that setting. I think that's probably the only last time I played one when I was in year five. <laughs> exactly. I think so. Uh, it's an exciting, uh, it's an exciting instrument that's uh, underrated, and uh, I'm happy to take thoughts on that as well. <laughs> so to start off with, is the recorder un- underrated? So. Uh, we'll see. Anyway, so we've just come off uh, WA um, a long weekend, WA Day, long yep. weekend, which was was today. Um, and I was down south visiting my mum, who turned 60 uh, on Saturday. So happy birthday uh, to my mum. But I was just thinking, on a long weekend, what do you do, Sam? Um, for me, it doesn't really change too much. Um, I mean, I just went over to a, over to a mate's and just... Uh, Relax, played some pool and whatnot. Um, but yeah, my my long weekends don't entail uh, going down south or anything too uh, extravagant. Well, what I actually found, I was expecting the traffic to be like insane first weekend that people are able to get away. Um, you know, after obviously being quarantined or isolated, self isolation for that period of time. Uh, but the, the traffic wasn't bad. Uh, it flew quite quite easily. Um, you know. Like, I was actually shocked. Do you think people are scared to actually to, to go anywhere at this point? I was, I, was about to, I was about to say, do you reckon it could have been maybe... Even the um, the media was saying to be careful driving down south, weren't they? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I was saying something like that. So maybe even that was a bit of a deterrent. Yeah, possibly. Possibly. It was beautiful down there. Um, it's getting green. It's looking really, really good. Uh, and we had a we had a fat time as our... As our Guest today would say a lot. He's always saying it was a fat time, so uh, you'll get to know this guy. Um, so I just I'll take the time to introduce today's guest now. So he's a he's a he's a, he's a dreaded, uh, bearded, um, probably self-proclaimed beer connoisseur, um, someone that's lived a couple of lives that I know, and uh, for, fortunately for for him, he's related to me uh, now as well by, by marrying my mum. Um, so I'd like to welcome Brad. Brad, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, guys. Um, it's a pleasure to do this. I've never done one of these podcasts before, so it's a new situation for me to be in. Do you know what's exciting about having Brad on? What's exciting? He's never even heard one of ours, so he doesn't have <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. He has no, no clue what we're about. So, uh, Sam, uh, you might as well fire away with um, Brad. All right, well, let's... Uh, Brad, we're going to go... Since you're a self-proclaimed beer connoisseur, um, I'm not going to go for type of beer i want to know what country do you think produces the best beer well that's a bit of a hard one australia definitely we produce some really good beers and some of the craft breweries that are around now are phenomenal um my favorite beer would have to be the belgian trappist beers um chimay being the one i really like it's uh, it's got a lot easier to get nowadays. It wasn't very easy to get quite a few years ago, but there's a lot of liquor stores that are stocking it now. So look out for that one. It's in a uh, brown bottle with a blue label. I just uh, okay. Sam nearly jumped out of his, <laughs> his seat because those that listen to the show know that uh, Sam's got Belgium heritage, um, and uh, he, he was I think he was sort of fishing. It was a, it was a <laughs> test. Eh? It was a test. He's yeah. fishing. Well, I went. I hope he says Belgium. Yeah. So yeah. you do disagree with that? I don't disagree. I can't disagree with it, can I? So, but I mean, I don't know about the Chimay. I probably would have said a Duval myself, but oh, I don't know. I, I like the Chimay. 
It's uh, a naturally brewed beer, naturally fermented beer, um, bottle fermented. Um, they brew it in open vats, so it's natural yeasts that go into it. And it's a very, very heavy home brew style of beer. So if you like that sort of thing, it is really nice. And it's 9.5% alcohol, so <laughs> one bottle's well and truly enough. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when we're, we're talking beers, we might as well do a little trip around the world. So we won't go countries, but we'll do, say, we'll say continents. So obviously Europe, you're picking a Chimay. Yeah. So if you were to go south into Africa, is there an African beer you've tasted? Or no, I haven't tried anything from Africa. Um, I'm sure there's some good beers over there, but no, nah, it's just not something that I've tried. Well, I'm the same. I've never had an African beer. You ever had an African beer? No, nah, I couldn't say. I wonder. Surely there'd be like a. I reckon South Africa surely would have a few um, beers, wouldn't they? Well, if anyone has tried South African beer, uh, if they can sort of hit us on the, yeah. the socials and we'll try it because yeah. we, we don't have an African beer at this point. Um, so if we were to, to shift, obviously over to Australia, where, where the next, the Oceania region. Who um, would you? Oh well, my old faithful Cooper's Pale Ale. So why do you love you drink Coopers religiously? This is what you drink. So yeah, what that's Coopers is me standby. And why why do you drink it? Um it's South Australia. My my father was from South Australia. Yep. And he liked the sparkling ale, the red label. Yep. And when I was when he was alive and I was young, it was hard to get. So if I could find him two big bottles of Cooper sparkling ale for his birthday, he was a happy man. So you do you think, um Sam, do you think obviously there's the taste of the beer and there's the, the cost comparison to what, to what it is. But do you think, because I think I get drawn to beers from experiences as well. So this is obviously a really personal experience for Brad. That's where he likes the Coopers. He was drawn there originally. Do you think like, the people go for a certain beer or a certain, because of a relationship or an experience? I think, or definitely stuff like that. I mean, you're so used to seeing it all the time. I think, you know, the first time that you're able to get a drink or something like that, you're going to probably lean towards something that you've seen around like the whole time, you know? Yeah. So if someone's drinking that every time you see them and then you can get a drink, you're probably going to be like, well, you know, what am I going to get? I'm going to get that thing that I've seen all the time because it's fresh in your brain. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that makes sense. And it, you're always drinking that. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a 150 Lashes guy. I think I'd get drawn to that and I, I don't even really know why. I like the flavour. I like the weight of it, and I've spoken about it on this uh, as well. So we spoke about it a few weeks ago, the first beer you're going to get from a pub. We did. I went to a pub on the weekend. We went and had dinner at a pub in Collie, um, and 150 Lashes. And I can tell you now, <laughs> it was possibly the best beer I've ever had. It was it was wonderful. Did you have to order a meal with it? Yeah, we did. Yeah, what did yeah. you get? Um, I actually ended up getting fish. Also, so I didn't get the steak. I ended up getting fish uh, with a garlic prawn sauce uh, on top um, with uh, salad and, and chips on the side as well. So love it. Yeah, yeah. So it was yeah, it was was good. Uh, and I ate half of my daughter's burger as well. <laughs> so sort of in, overindulged. Um, so if we we're going to shift, um, is there a New Zealand beer you like? I know we're going to countries, but um, I haven't really tried any of the New Zealand beers either. I've heard a few things, but. Without trying them, you can't really comment on them. I used to drink, when I was sort of uni age, I used yeah. to drink Steinlager a lot. But I think it might have been because of the price more than anything <laughs> else. So that's, that's a New Zealand beer. Um, but I think they call it Steinlager, so it sounds German. German. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, so we'll, we'll shift um, into China, so Asia. Um, I reckon the only Asian beer I've tried would have been Lion. Okay. Yeah. Mm, wasn't so keen on it, but 
It's a beer. <laughs> well, you've loved it. Again, you've been the boy. You've had Bintangs, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Tiger, I'm sure you've tiger. had Tiger yeah, as tiger, well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Asahi from Japan. I know you've had Asahi. You've had yeah, Asahi. Yeah. Asahi. <laughs> I've had that here. Yeah, because yeah. uh, I, drink, I drink that as well. Uh, but Lion Beer, is that Indian? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it, I think well, it is. Could be. Could Maybe. be, yeah. Anyone that Asian... knows, let us know, eh? Hey? <laughs> 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 That's all one. Do you have an Asian beer? Um, well, I think the only thing that I would have... Actually, I think on Saturday I had some Tiger. Yep. So, there you go, Tiger. I find you have to have it really cold. That's the thing with like, Asian beer, really, really cold at its best. Whereas, you know, like a, an English beer, you can drink a little warm. Yeah, yeah. Well, not warm, but not does, it can be I room th- temperature. I think that's the um the weather, like the climates of the place as well, isn't it? Like England's a bit colder, so, you yeah. know, a cold beer isn't maybe priority. But where in Asia where it's a bit hotter, you know, you want to... A real cold beer. Yeah, you do. I remember a few years ago, a friend's father went, he's from England and he's gone back to England and uh, they were having a family party. So they, they organised to do the Australian barbecue and he went out and got all these beers and got them in the sink on ice and all these relatives were pulling them out and running them up, running the cans under the hot water to say he was most devastated. Really? <laughs> well, that makes no sense to yeah. me at all. Yeah, crazy. Um, so if we shift to... South America, South America. Is there a beer you've had in South America or from South America? No, well, I don't think so. Um, you'd have to throw a few names at me, and maybe I have. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not exactly Central sure. Central America, Mexico, Mexico. Yeah, well, wherever it's Central, that's isn't more it? North. Central North. Yeah. yeah, everybody knows Corona. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one of the one of the biggest breweries in the world. Yeah, it yeah. is huge brewery. Do they can like this? This virus has negatively affected the sales or increased sales. I reckon maybe at first it decreased it, yeah. like the scare factor, and then I think it just became a little bit of like a running joke, like yeah. grab a corona. Yeah, for yeah. The... I'm not coming to work today. I've got a case of corona. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I've drank more corona since this virus is on that I've drank in 15 years. Well, there you go. Yeah. So sort of. If it's there, I think people are buying it. Like, yeah. I don't think I've bought any, but I've drank more. I don't think it's going to stop people from buying it. You know? yeah, I'm with you. Um, so South American, I don't know. Let's just say Corona anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's... So if we're heading to North America, there's, there's a heap of heap of beers from, from North America, particularly uh, in the United States as well. Is there, is there a particular beer from the States that you... Um, Sierra Nevada. Yep. Yeah, um, the pale ale's beautiful. Um, when I was in Hawaii a couple of years ago... You go into Costco and like everywhere that you go to sells. I think I went to two shops that didn't actually sell beer. Yeah, you, know, wow. you go to the corner deli, they sell beer and spirits. Um, but yeah, you go into Costco and they've got mixed cartons. So you buy a carton of beer and it's got four different six packs in it. And you've got the pale ale, you've got two, the three others. Um, I found one of the Sierra Nevadas that was really, really nice. Haven't been able to get it here in Australia. It was called Ruthless. Okay. It was a rye-based pale ale. Yeah. And it was beautiful. When I went to Hawaii, I thought, oh, what am I going to drink over here? I don't like Budweiser. I don't like this. I don't like that. What am I going to drink? Well, when I got over there, I was pleasantly surprised. I don't think I got the same same six-pack of beer twice in, a, twice in the month that I was there. Yeah, so that's yeah, that's that's quite incredible. You've spent a lot of time in the states, Sam. Yeah, I think I think I actually had some um, Sierra Nevada uh, earlier this year when I was in uh, in Miami, which was actually for someone that doesn't drink beer 
too much. It was quite bearable for me to actually get a couple down me and not uh, complain too much. So that's a good sign for me, really. I've had that as well. In California, I drank Sierra Nevada when I was there as well, and, and I really enjoyed that. So I think that's a, that, that's a, a really solid choice. Um, I think the best thing about sort of international beer is, is traveling and going into a, a local pub or a brewery and, and tasting the local wares. I think that's probably the thing. You might not remember, but when, you, when you're there, like, I feel like beer tastes different wherever you are. So we talk about Bintang, like you drink Bintang in Bali. Yep. Compared to drinking Bintag here, it's, it's completely different. Yeah, it's completely different. So, um, yeah, I think being there sort of yeah. makes all the difference. Um, well, that's our, our little sort of trip around the globe um, with, with beer. Um, when we get Brad on uh, our next time, we'll probably go into and we'll do a full tasting. And, and you know what we can add there is that I did order a camera today. Yep. So that means hopefully whenever that comes, we can start producing a little bit more uh video footage of, of challenges and stuff like this when we do beer tasting or when we had our chip chat last week we can we can finally go out and get some dry uh takeaway chips and and film us uh doing a little taste test with that as well so that will be interesting to stay tuned for and that's why we haven't done our chip test exactly. yet because we want to film it um so you did mention a hawaii yep. um before so I actually haven't been to Hawaii, so I'm completely unqualified here, which is uh, which is an incredible place to be on our, our pod because that's what we're about. But both you and Sam have both spent some time in Hawaii. So, um, if I was go go to go to Hawaii, where would you recommend I go? I've <clears throat> I've only been to Maui. I've spent uh, the first time we went over there. I was we were over there for four weeks. We've got friends over there, so we went and stayed with their friends for four weeks. Uh, they live halfway up the mountain. Up, up the volcano on the um, eastern side of Hawaii, of Maui. And you've got a beautiful view from up there. From their front veranda, you can see the South Pacific, you can see the North Pacific. It's beautiful. Um, so I've only been to Maui, so I can only really talk about Maui. And Maui's a beautiful place. It's the city. It's a big country town. Um, great place to go. There's some beautiful restaurants. I went to Charlie... Um, Willie Nelson's Bar in um, Playa, it's called. Uh, it's a place called Charlie's, and great spot. Awesome food. It's got all, all Willie. He's got all his memorabilia hanging up on the wall, all his gold records, posters. It's a great spot. Awesome place. Beautiful food. Good beer. Great beer. Um, that was. It'd have to be one of my favourites. Okay. Another place we went to in the city was a place called the White Horse. 37 different beers on tap. Mm. It's the most beers on tap I've ever seen in one place. And some amazing, amazing beers. Did you try all of them? No. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't have minded, but one I did try while I was there. I'm standing at the bar and I'm going to have one of those, but what's that one there? HPA. And he's like, yeah. Pours a little glass and says, have a taste. And I said, what is it? He said, it's a hemp pale ale. And I went, okay, I'll try this. And <laughs> you smell it. <sighs> it smelt like marijuana. <laughs> it, I, I smelt marijuana a few times. And it smelt like marijuana. But taste was, del- oh, it was delightful. Re- no taste. It was a, a real proper pale ale taste. I was pleasantly surprised. And the next time I went back there, they didn't have it on tap. Uh, it was um, New Belgian Brewing Company brewed that. 
and it was just something they were trying out at the time, I think, and they put it in the, in this bar, and if I'd realised it was there and what it was the first when I first got there, I would have been drinking that the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> when I went back the second time, they didn't have it, so... Yeah, well, yeah. So you haven't been to Maui, obviously. Nah. You've been to Honolulu? Yeah, so I've mainly uh, just been at Waikiki Beach um, when I go, which it's real touristy, um, so if you can deal with that, it's not too bad. But there's a lot, still a lot of beautiful places around there um, to see, good food places. I know there's a place that I go uh, called Burger in Paradise and they make some absolute monster burgers. I'm pretty sure I had the um, Luau, Luau um, burger. So it was actually like a beef patty and then they had like the Luau uh, pork oh, yeah, yeah. on top of that as well. And then so it was just a massive burger. You imagine the size of it. Um, and then there was another place that did um, it was I think it was two dollar two dollar tacos, and three dollar ma- uh, frozen margaritas. Wow. So, I mean that's a good time as well. So I think like I'm working out, and I've known you for a long time now, Sam, and that's why we're really good friends. Um, that I want to go places with you because you always find the bargains, like the cheapest, <laughs> the cheapest drinks, the cheapest food. Well, I, th- I think that comes from uh, my lifestyle and, <laughs> and um, you know, I'm never spending more than I need to, you know. If there's a place that can get it done a little bit cheaper for me, um, that's probably where I'm going to go. Yeah, yeah, no, I feel that. So, uh, you know what else I feel? I feel frustrated. Now, and the, the reason I feel frustrated uh, is because I've travelled on the weekend, as I've, I've said, but it's I think it's an ongoing frustration, um, and it's to do with speed limits at roadworks to start with. So I think we start with that point, and then probably being a long weekend and public holidays, having roadworks and no one working there, and still, you know, still having to abide by these speed the limits. Yeah. yeah. So what do you think, Sam? Um, I th- look, I, I guess they got to have the uh, safety procedures in there to cover everyone i guess um i don't mind it when there's people working but sometimes it yeah there's nothing worse than when you're going 40 kilometers an hour on a straight or something like that and there's no one within sight and you're like well at least like let me drive like 60 at least like you know Mm. there's no there's no one here there's nothing here just let me i'm not gonna you know Bloody do a burnout and go 200 kilometers an hour down. Like, I just want to go a little bit quicker than 40 kilometers an hour. If my electric skateboard can do it, I should be able to go faster than that in a car. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And when they're working, you know, I, I understand. It's about safety and yes. making sure those people, you know, um, there's no chance of them getting injured. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, it is a little frustrating. Um, Brad, you've obviously been on this earth longer than us. Um, so oh, thanks for that, guys. And I just uh, why don't you, you say it? I'm old. <laughs> uh, how do you? Uh, so how do you? What, what's your thoughts behind this topic? I understand that, like Sam says, while there's people working there, you need to slow down and take care because it's their lives as well. But when there's no, I do agree. When there's no one working, you know, bring the speed limit back up to sixty kilometres or eighty kilometres, whatever it is. Um, as long as you've everybody's abiding by the road rules and staying the same speed. You know, we had a couple incidents on the way home today with people being idiots. Um, I can't remember the the, the, uh, license plate number of the car. I'd love to be able to remember it. But, uh, yeah, we had somebody overtake us and then pull straight in between me and a caravan. No indicators, no nothing. 
and there was only just enough room for him to get in there and he just zoomed in front of me and it was whoa what's going on here yeah yeah um but yeah road works are an issue if nobody's working, I can't see why they can't bring the speed limit back up to normal. Yeah, I know, I feel feel the same way. Probably the other thing is is when they're like it's it's late at night, there's no one working there, or on a public holiday, and, and no one's working, and then they have a speed trap inside the roadworks. Yeah, like Whatever. like a police speed trap sitting there to try and catch people speeding. Oh, well, see, I've never I've never encountered that, but if if I did, I, that wouldn't um. I don't think that's something that I'd uh, want to see. I don't think that's very nice. Yeah, I, I think that's a little. Unfair. It's sort of like when they catch you coming off the freeway, you know, and then there's a short distance between where you, the speed changes. Yeah. And then they they're waiting right there at the sign, and they say, "Oh, you're doing 12 k's over or whatever. You're coming from 100 to 70." Like, there's got to be some sort of give there. Do you, Do you agree with that? Or? Well, definitely. I mean, I, there's nothing worse than when someone slams on their brakes. Hmm. In fact, actually, on the way here. Um, I was getting, I was driving past uh, Whitford's, I think, and someone was getting off at Whitford's, right? And literally, like halfway between actually going into the exit thing, just like slams on their brakes to get down to whatever speed they wanted to get to. But I was like, you, you know, like you've got an exit lane for a reason. That's where you you slow down. You know, you don't slow down halfway on the freeway. I was like, come on. The way the law's written, though, is by the time you get to that sign, whether it's 80 kilometres, 70 kilometres an hour, you need to be doing 70 or 80 kilometres an hour. It's, so you've got, they do give you that bit of, you've got to slow down and be at that speed by the time you get to that sign. And it's the same when you're going from a 60 kilometres an hour zone to an 80 kilometres an hour zone. You can't go to 80 kilometres an hour until you pass that sign. Yeah, and I, I get that, but if it's a short distance between the freeway and coming off, or, you know, or is, that, is it just, and I might get myself into some trouble here, but people want our opinions, but is it just an act of revenue raising to place those cameras in those areas? Or... Yeah, well, uh, I don't know. they got to make money. Well, I, I understand yeah. that, and you, you've got to <laughs> pay the, but it, wouldn't it, and weren't they originally introduced in higher risk high accident areas for people to slow down. That was my understanding when they first brought them out, that that was to try and save lives. Are you saving a life by putting a speed camera in a like yeah. in that sort of zone? I don't know. It's actually when I was in... No, um, that's, that, as far as I'm concerned, that's revenue raising. Yeah. Yeah, when I was in uh, Tucson, um, they had uh, speed cameras for a while, but um, the I guess... You know the the place, all the citizens uh, didn't didn't like it, so they they you know arced up a little bit about it, and Tucson actually got rid of um, all their like sitting speed cameras. So the only way you can get done for speeding is if a cop car is next to you or around and sees that you're speeding, which yeah. I think is pretty fair. Well, me too, and I, I'm not endorsing speeding like at all, and and I'm you know I'm saying that you need to be doing things the right way and. You know, it's doing the right speeds in the right places, but I think there's 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 a certain aspect of them trying to catch people rather than save lives. Yeah. Another thing, um, with and I'm not sure if you know this, Sam, because I think it's quite old school, and I'm not seeing it as much. So when there is a speed trap coming up, so if you're heading in the other direction, you flash your your headlights. Yeah, I've I've um you've experienced I've been, that? Yeah, I've experienced it. I've I've well acquainted with people flashing their lights when there's a uh, speed camera or something like that. 
up ahead. So yeah. Do you think, Brad? Do you think people do it as much as they used to back when? Because I remember when I first got my license, it happened all the time. Um, it's a hard one to say. Yeah, I think it still happens. You know, a lot of old school people still do it. You know, I I know I do. Um, it's against the law to do it, but I still do it. <laughs> but I think it's like courtesy, like it's courtesy though. You know, yeah. I know it's against the law. Like you might get a fine or whatever, but like just let the people know. Yeah. You know. That it's is is that is that being good or is that the opposite? No, I think it's being like sometimes you know sometimes if you you zone out a little bit when you're driving and you know you might be five k over the speed limit or something like that, which yeah, I mean I don't think it's the worst thing ever if you're five k over and you can get that flash of lights and you yeah, kind yeah. of oh damn wait, wait, wait. oh yeah look I am yeah. speeding yeah slow down and it's just I, I think like we've all done this as well like we know where we're going we go into autopilot. And then we get to our destination, we're like, oh, shit, how do I get here? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Done that Happens, a few times. Yeah. All right, so, uh, well, I don't think, I think we completely went off <laughs> off track there. We went speeding and fines and sorts of things rather than the speed limit on the roadworks, but that's cool. That's what we do. Um, I wanted to, to get into the, to the news. Obviously, there's a lot happening in the world right now. So, lots and lots happening. I'm one of those people, I don't watch the news. Um, how, how do you... You get your news source, Sam. How do you get, how do you get the news? Um, so yeah, I don't I don't uh, watch the news because I just think my personal opinion is any news that's on the news is probably bad news. You don't ever really hear good news, and I think it just probably it probably it's a bit depressing sometimes when you're just watching the news and it's just negative after negative after negative. But I also do understand the other side of it of creating awareness and, and whatnot. But um. I mean, I guess most of my news probably would come through like Facebook um, when I'm scrolling through the feed there. Um, so that's probably me mainly. But even that, I don't go on much. Um, but most of the um, main stuff that's happening on in the world kind of find it finds its way to me, whether that's from talking to, to mates or whatever. But, you know, I do find a way to keep slightly up to date with what's going on around in the world. And... It's obviously news, the way people sort of ingest news has obviously changed over the years. Brad, like how have you found sort of the evolution of, of how people are getting information? Well, back in the day, it used to be the 7 o'clock news on the ABC or the 6 o'clock news on Channel 7, 9, GWN, whichever channel it was. I myself don't watch the news either. I work night shift, so I'm generally asleep by that time, ready to get up and go to work at 1 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, so I don't watch the news, so I get most of mine like you say, through Facebook or word of mouth. Um, you know, I'll go into the crib up and read yesterday's newspaper when I get to work at night. Um, have a bit of a flick through, see if there's anything interesting. But apart from that, no, I don't watch the news and I don't buy newspapers and all that sort of thing. When I was in my 20s, I used to get the newspaper nearly every day. I used to read the newspaper, used to have it in front of me. Um, and then, obviously, social media started to, to grow. Um and I started getting more information that way. Rather than reading a paper, I could get on my phone and rather than reading the news, I could see what my mates are doing, you know, that sort of thing. So it sort of changed the sort of content I wanted. I get a lot of my news from the radio. So I put sort of Triple J on and then they have their news break every hour. And I hear, and I, I think I got to a point where I was like, I'm only hearing what people want me to hear, not necessarily what's happening within the world. But I think it's always been like that so I an interesting story talking about the news so when I was in China so I was in China 2000 
2009-2010. It was after Beijing, so it must have been 9 or 10. And I was talking to one of the locals in China and, and talking about news. Um, do you remember when we were kids? Uh, when I was a kid, probably when Brad was a kid and you might not have been born yet, they used to have <laughs> images of starving um, African children um, where, you know, they can't eat, you need to donate money, world vision yeah. stuff, world vision yeah. stuff. So what the Chinese government was doing, talking about propaganda and, and false news, they were sending their population images of the slums in the US, images of American kids, and that America is poor, you need to contribute and donate money to this foundation to save the poor and starving American children, which funded their military. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's just, why does that not surprise me? Yeah. So uh, that's what, uh, what a local Chinese uh, person told me. And then what would happen is they opened up China to the West and these American people would come in and they're like, well, how can you afford to come here? You're like, you guys are so poor, you're a starving country. And they're like, well, no, actually, we're the, the richest economy in the, the whole world. And um, they found the government was, yeah, trying to just pull their money. They do. They do say, you know, the media is probably one of the most powerful sort of, I mean, organisation or whatever, because they're spilling out the news and they can add or take anything that kind of twists it or turns it in a way that, that suits them and yeah. suits what maybe, you know, the government or, or the world is trying to portray or whatever. So it's, you know, I think you've definitely got to take it with a bit of a grain of salt and, and sift through a bit of the um, the BS and, and kind of make your own sort of... Make your own decisions. Yeah, so well, that's my view. Yeah, I think probably the Skype hook said it best. This is really old school. <laughs> yeah, Horror before your day. <laughs> yeah. Horror movie right there on the TV. Horror movie right there on the TV. Yeah. It's the 6.30 news. Like, that's yeah, it. They're right. just saying like, that, that there's not much positive there. Um, so, yeah, I just thought it was interesting. No one was, how do we get that information? There's obviously a lot happening in the world and we want to stay up to date. But Talking about this, how good would it be if, like, there was, like, a 6 o'clock news, but it was just good news? Yeah. Like, just good things that was happening. Like, how, like... Yeah, well, there's another old school song that comes comes to mind from many years ago called Good News Week. Yes. I can't remember who sung it now, but it, it, when you said that, it just that song popped into my mind. Yeah, and I think the issue is good news doesn't sell. Yeah, no, yeah, one, that's no one wants good news. Yeah. yeah, No one wants the good news. People want to hear the doom and gloom, and I think it's an unfortunate yeah. sort of trait of our society. But, you know, I would love that. I'd definitely watch that. Yeah, I'd be so like, man... That fireman got the cat out of the tree. That's the best story ever. Yeah. That's, that's the thing because I don't even I don't watch TV. Um, all my I don't listen to the radio because all my music's through Spotify. So I really don't get any information unless it's from my friends and whatnot. So, but if there was something like good news TV for half an hour on a, on a six o'clock, you know, I might actually be inclined to to watch some TV. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't listen to the radio. The only time I'm listening to the radio is when I'm in my car. Mm. Don't put a radio on at, at home. Don't listen. Don't. Um, we've got Foxtel, so if we want to listen to music, it's on MTV or whatever channel the missus puts it on. You know what your mum's like, mate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get a choice in music channels. It's whatever she wants. Smooth. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the only time. So if I'm in, in my car at the right time, I might, I might hear a news broadcast, but not very often. 
Yeah. Well, just on the news at the moment, and I, I think we sort of have to say something about what's happening now, is that I guess on behalf of us, we are very much pro-human. Um, and what's happening in the, the US is is scary. Um, and there's things happening in this country that are, that are down the same track. And, you know, we're, we're willing to support, you know, any movement for, for human rights and um, making sure, you know, that all people are treated equally um, with the love and respect that they deserve. So... Uh, we'll move on from there, but I'll just make a, a little statement Let's, from us. Um, yeah. What about some uh, Disneyland? Disneyland. What's, what's going on at Disneyland? <laughs> well, um, I don't think, you know, the NBA wanting to uh, have a little little hub in Disneyland and play basketball. Uh, interesting how it's going to work. I'm not sure. Um is there a, a better place that you could you could do it? Probably not. Disneyland is the place of happiness, I think. Yeah, well, yeah. So, I mean, during all this doom and gloom, um, you know, maybe it might help lift uh, some people's... Um, spirits? Spirits, that's yeah. a word. Um, so, yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah, I think, like, at Disney, because I'm a big Disney fan, and there's Disneyland in California, and there's Disney World... Oh. In Florida, so it's they're in Disney World, and only because it's it's big enough, yeah, to sort of have the twenty seven teams. What I'm actually most interested in is with the AFL, the Eagles and the Dockers, because they've got these hubs over east in Queensland. They're leaving their wives at home. Do you think the NBA players would have sort of rallied to to make sure that they left their wives at home? <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, um, well, I, was... I reckon a few AFL players certainly did. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was listening to um. Alex Caruso today, I think, earlier this morning, and they were talking about um, Disney World. Yeah. Um, and I think that was one of his questions was, you know, how they're going to get all the, the immediate family um, there, I guess, to support them and, and watch what they're going to do with girlfriends and wives and whatnot. So, I mean, it's interesting, but I guess like, it's, it's a tough process with all the, you know, regulations and whatnot. So... I mean, I keep everyone at home. I reckon. Yeah, um, I know, Brad. You could because you're going to be completely unqualified. Yeah. Uh, in this, so what they're looking to do is the 30 teams from the NBA yep. ship them to Florida. So put them in Florida at Disney World and finish the season in there. And it probably wouldn't be a full. It's either playoffs yeah. or you know maybe a, a four or world five games. Cup. They're thinking yeah. about like a World Cup um, type type thing. Yeah, yeah, group stage kind of thing. Yeah. So, what would you your thoughts? If you like, you you you're a Do you think like this is the biggest sporting organization in America? I think it's bigger than the NFL now. Yeah, be pretty close. Yeah, it's massive. It's huge. Billions and billions of dollars. What's your thought on them shifting every single team and every player to there? Well, if they're gonna get a season or a reasonable sort of a season, it's good for the fans. It's good for the game. Um, as I say, I'm not qualified as you say, but yeah, I think it could be could work. Well, I think people are craving sport right now. Like, like seriously, I've got a Bundesliga team now. <laughs> because I don't even like sport, but they're, they're playing. So, you know, people want to see sport. And I'm certain that a lot of diehard AFL people on the weekend would have watched some NRL yeah. uh, because they had games. But people are craving the sport. And with the broadcasting sort of, the, the cost of broadcasting rights, like, this is a huge opportunity for television to really make good on well, sports on, on a the big investment. money organ. Doesn't matter what sport it is, it's big money for TV. It is huge, huge money. Yeah, and they've got to get their money. Uh, and the, the sporting channels would be hurting right now. 
hurting big time. Yeah, they would. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess talking about this kind of stuff, um, I was thinking, right, listening to this, how if a season was cancelled or, or suspended, you know, over this duration of time, how you would handle it? Now, I'm not, me myself, I haven't really come to a conclusion how I would do it. Um, but I'm kind of leaning towards, I wouldn't just scrap the season. Like, I wouldn't just get rid of half a season. But I'd definitely um, probably not award a championship or anything like that just because there'll be a massive asterisk next to it. You know, it's not going to, people will never think it's legitimate. Um, but I definitely would probably try to acknowledge, you know, the team at the top yeah. some some way or another. Um, I don't know about what your guys' thoughts would be. Well, I, I'm my big thing is I, I, I agree with you. And whoever finishes on top of the ladder at the end of the season, well, maybe not award them a premiership, but acknowledge the fact that you guys were number one at the end of the season. At the end of the home and away season, you were number one. So a minor premiership or whatever you call it, acknowledge it somehow. Yeah, and I think we're all on the same page there. I think if you've got to do everything you possibly can to try and get the season up and running again within, you know, obviously the limits of safety. With and it's an expensive exercise as well. So I sort of understand like a like the NBL were able to finish, um, which was fantastic. But with with the NBL, they're talking about not starting a season until that they can get the crowds mm. because they need the crowds to support the clubs financially yeah um but if you drag that out too long then you run out of money then we're going to lose clubs anyway so it's a bit of a, a double-edged sword well let's just go on to another thing the funniest thing i've seen lately is that wwe on tv i turned on foxtel the other day <laughs> and they've got the wwe and they've got the whole you know you normally have the whole big crowd there screaming and carrying on and it's in an empty hall and these gooses are going on with their, their regular rants, and it's it's just as funny as hell. I actually haven't haven't watched the idol. You've got it, mate. Turn it on and have a look, because it is just hilarious. They're going on with their rants, and they're doing all the, all the rubbish that they do, and there's no one there. Yeah. Not a soul in the hall. Well, they do really rely on sort of that crowd interaction, that back and forth in, yeah. in the WWE. So I can, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and watch that. I yeah. think that sounds, sounds incredible. It's funny. But again, I think WWE particularly, that's a TV audience. Yeah. That, that is, they, obviously, they wrestle most nights of the week, and they get big crowds, but... The the imagine what the broadcast rights are worth for WWE. Oh, oh yeah, it'd be yeah. phenomenal. So um you know and there's some big boys getting paid a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, hundred dollars yeah. to act like clowns. <laughs> <laughs> so again, but again, that's not a season, but it's still entertainment, isn't it? Yeah. You know? and, and some people class it as sport. Would you class WWE sport? Um, it's almost an art, isn't it? I'd almost. Like it's a it's a fine line between a sport and an art because what they yeah. do is amazing still, mm. but yeah yeah no. um, I don't know that I'd go as far as calling it a sport, but it's definitely entertaining. Yeah. So is it more theatre than? <laughs> yeah, I think. Than yeah. So like because when you think of ballet athletes, like they're athletes, the ballerinas are athletes. The amount they train, the physique, what they can do, and how they can perform, um, circus. Artists like people like the the acrobats, yeah. they'd be athletes as well, man. Like they can they can spin, like and they jump. They have to be fit. Yeah, like. yeah. So, but that's theatre. Well, yeah, the people are the people are athletes, but what they're participating in is more of like an art or a, or entertainment. Yeah, I think more than a sport. 
yeah, those guys that are doing that, they've still got to be fit as fit as fit. They've got to be you know, well toned. A sport, no. It's not a sport, but it is definitely entertaining. Yeah, it is. yeah, and, I'll, I'll give you that. And they are—you've got to give it to them. They're fit. Those yeah. guys are definitely fit. Do you know what I took out of that whole conversation? What? Brad was about to drop the f bomb. <laughs> he, he fixed fit, himself. Fit as fit. Fit as fit. No, I wasn't. I wouldn't drop the f bomb. <laughs> um, all right. So you know, sort of towards closing. Now we're getting towards the end of our time. Um, I wanted to talk to you, Brad, about, and we we had a quick discussion about this the other day, um, about your dreadlocks. So, firstly, you're an older gentleman. Yes, yeah. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'll agree with that. I'm older. Yeah, older, yeah. <laughs> We're going to get a picture of you up, and it's going to be the best. Um, but you rock the dreadies. <laughs> Thank you, you. Yeah, you rock the dreadies, and it's, it's brilliant. So, you're talking about getting them fixed. Yeah, yeah. Right. Got... So, talk us through your sort of maintenance sort of... Uh, I'll wash them regularly. You know, not don't condition. Just wash with shampoo. Uh, the problem with that is this time of the year I've got to sit in front of a fire for most of the day to get them dry. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I try to get them done tightened every three months. But I like that's why I like to go to Bali so much because I get them done so much cheaper over there. Um, but it's a uh, to get my dreads done. It's probably two and a half hours with two or three people working on them. Yeah, and well. it's all done with little fine crochet hooks and it hurts like hell. It's almost as bad as getting a tattoo, I reckon. Okay. Yeah, it is, can be quite... Just in a few spots, like the, the temples and the back of my head. Yeah. It's just where you know, the, you've got those sensitive areas. So it's grown out a little bit now, yeah. obviously. So... For it to be dreaded all the way through, you have to get it done regularly. I yeah. don't know anything about dreading. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so like, as I say, I like to get mine done every two to three months. Your mother would be happier if I got them done more or didn't have them at all, but that we won't go into that. Yeah. <laughs> That's another conversation. I think when yeah, mum comes on. we'll leave that one alone. Yeah, when your mum comes on, you can talk to her about that. Have you ever thought about dreads or anything sort of like that or funky hairstyles? I, I think I've definitely thought about dreads, yeah. um, but I haven't... Uh, gotten to them i think it's because of my my dopey eyes and dreads probably wouldn't wouldn't portray the uh the image that i'm trying to trying to portray <laughs> hashtag um, unemployable yeah <laughs> um but i think uh back in my youth i did have braids i had braids okay. for a while because uh, yeah I, I definitely have had every other haircut imaginable to to man so was that because of alan iverson or something like uh, braids? yeah i think that might have been a Young young kid trying to trying to make the NBA at the age of however old I was. Yeah, well, I think I think everyone that knows me knows that I can't grow hair. So <laughs> hence I love the conversations uh, about hair. So what would your the, the average cost? So if you were to get your dreads done here, Brad, how much would it cost you? Oh, uh, you're looking at hundred dollars an hour, hundred maybe hundred and twenty dollars an hour. So, and so you're would you say two and a half to three hours? Yeah, two and a half to three hours. Yeah, so three hundred to three hundred and sixty bucks. Yeah. Yeah, and if you're in Bali. Uh, I get it done for six hundred thousand rupee was what I played last time. So sixty bucks. Yeah, sixty bucks, and I, <laughs> and I had three people working on me. Yeah. And they put all these coloured bits in through it as well. Yeah. And yeah, sixty bucks, sixty seventy dollars. So that, that to me is just because you can get a flight to Bali for a couple hundred bucks, so it's cheaper to fly to <laughs> Bali in return. Have a holiday. Yeah. Have a week's holiday and get your dreads done. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. 
And I always go to the same lass. I've been going to her since day dot. She sees me walk in. Oh, you're, here to, you're back. I knew you'd be here soon. And she's only a short... She's shorter than your mum. Yeah, mum's short. Too. Yeah. She's like 5'7". Yeah, well, Jodie, she'd be lucky to be 5'2". Yeah. Yeah, was mum 5'2"? Yeah, I don't know. Just short anyway. Yeah, yeah she's short, yeah. <laughs> Uh, talking about short, I think we're uh, getting short on time here. So um, uh, just the usual, get onto our socials, um, Opinions Unqualified, Instagram, Facebook. Start sharing it out. Um, if you enjoy it, share it. Um, it would mean the world to us if we could uh, get our followers up a little bit more. Um, and then it makes us feel a little bit better about ourselves. Uh, the camera is coming soon, so we're going to be getting some more content out, which means that we'll be a little bit more more daily or every few days we'll be posting a bit of content out. So, um, yeah, thanks for listening from me. Uh, and I just want to throw a challenge out to Brad. Listen to at least one bloody episode of our pod. All right. Well, you're going to have to show me how to do it because you know I'm not very computer literate, mate. <laughs> so uh, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. My pleasure. Yeah. Um, as Sam said, just to reiterate, go on our socials. Uh, thanks for enjoying us because we definitely enjoy you. Sure.